Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We got a great show for you guys coming up today. As always, try and download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKings Network, DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, all those cool spots. Uh, fun guest today, Trevor Sikama, our buddy from Pro Football Focus, going to be joining us live from Mobile as he is down there at the Senior Bowl. 
We got the final day of practice this week, so we'll get you the early inside track on who are the standouts you need to look for, who are the risers from this week, who your team could potentially be picking up. Since, Dad, as we know, this year now they have not only just the seniors at the Senior Bowl, right. but also <laughs> underclassmen they're able to come this year. And I've seen it talked about as one of the more robust Senior Bowl classes they've had down there. And so should be a lot of good stuff for people to try and get an early start on draft season since we know we got two teams left playing for it all and everybody else is already trying to pedal on that hope drug that we get in the spring. Well, that's exactly right. Everybody's looking at, I mean, I love watching the practices of the Senior Bowl. That's the best part of it. But but you're absolutely right. There's only two teams still interested in on-the-field stuff right now, and that's KC and San Fran. Obviously, everybody else is working in the offseason because it, every year the Patriots were in the Super Bowl or won the Super Bowl, everybody was happy except for Bill Belichick. All he was saying is, we're behind everybody else. We've got to catch up. We've got things to do. You know, because they, they everybody else is able to do things like they are now because now, by God, this is measuring hand season. we got to know how big everybody's yeah. hands are. That's the biggest part of this whole joke of a thing that goes on right now uh, or somewhat of a joke at times. Uh, and it's been it's, – I, I, I'm interested in talking about the Senior Bowl because the quarterbacks are not playing well at the Senior Bowl right now. These, this big class we've been talking about now – the top picks aren't there, the guys that we think are going up top. Right. But some are, are struggling. Names are struggling a bit there uh, that we thought would probably fall into the first round as well. Yeah, this is a good reminder. This is a class that has two elite quarterbacks, and then everyone right. else is probably going to be drafted higher because the NFL loves quarterbacks. And that's okay. We don't all have to be consistent. Hell, I used to go on and complain about the fact that one-on-ones are an unfair drill that skews in favor of defensive linemen. And now it is my absolute favorite thing to watch during <laughs> Senior Bowl week is these other people have to go through it and not me. It is by far one of the most inconsistent things about me, Dad, because I can't get enough of them now. I hope they do one-on-ones every day. So I, I, it was interesting. I was having, me and your mother were having lunch with, with Sydney and Ben, and again, my daughter Sydney, and, and Ben, her husband, and for those, I'll continue to explain. Ben Broniker is in med school now, but he played for the Chicago Bears. He was a tight end for the Bears. So an NFL player as well. And the reason I qualify that is to say we were watching, we were out at lunch, and they had the practice on, and we were watching it. And, and we were both kind of shaking our heads at the one-on-one run blocking. It, there's one thing for a one-on-one pass blocking because there are times in, an, in a game, college or NFL, when it is definitely a passing down, right? And you know it's a passing down. So you do the one-on-one. It's still, I don't know how much you get out of it, but the run blocking, Mike, one-on-one run blocking is a ridiculous drill to me. I, I, it makes zero sense. The technique you're using there on both sides is rarely the technique you're going to be using in the game and rarely set up for like how it's going to be in a game. And Ben and I were talking about what – because I went through it as well. You went through it. I remember watching it at the U.S. Army All-American game, you doing run one-on-one run blocking. And, and I kept thinking, you know, I hate to get us off on, on a tangent here, but what are better no. drills – what 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 are better drills to run than just flat out lining up and doing one on one run blocking? Because and even the one on one pass blocking, it's all kind of a kind of a waste to me. It doesn't really tell me a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, there's a million better drills that you do in practice. Like you don't just sit and do one. You know this. And- you don't just sit and do one-on-one drive block drills against the defense in actual football practice, but this is an actual football practice for better 
For better or for worse, this is you know it's a dick measuring contest this whole week. So they're doing stuff like that you wouldn't normally do. Everyone trying to peacock in front of the congregation because eventually you get reps like I saw uh, Bo Limmer, offensive lineman I believe from Arkansas, who absolutely rocked it during the one-on-one drive block drill. And it's not realistic, but man, it pops and now everybody oohs and ahs. So that's why this this week is way more of a beauty pageant and a spectacle than it is an actual football practice so this isn't designed to get better it's not designed to show anything it's designed to give people a chance to go ooh and ah and then write stuff down in their notepad and then go back and try and see if it's on the film like we always heard mike mayock said yeah i i i just think you know why not make a half line center guard tackle d tackle d end and not say if it's a run or a pass like an actual game you know, you don't know if it's a run or don't know if it's a pass and run a play and, and actually see what the results are there. If it's, a, if it's a pass, you can act like you're the center sliding left and you can get true one-on-ones, but they don't know it's a pass right out of the gate. I don't know. It seems to be a more realistic drill to me. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, they, again, we, I've done that drill in practice. Like, that is absolutely a drill you'll do in practice. But again, here, they're not trying to figure out how well you can work with a bunch of guys you never played with before. They just want to see you go out there and block, and they've whittled it down to, in their mind, the simplest format. What you're describing is better. And again, that's what real football teams do when they're getting ready for it, is those kinds of drills where you are working with everybody else. But uh, this isn't real football, baby. This is the Senior Bowl, and we're out here to get these clips running and make sure these guys have an opportunity <laughs> to show their wares one-on-one and see if they can eventually play for a coach as good as Mike McDonald. And, Dad, we got the news yesterday that if you're going to do that, you're going to do it in Seattle. Um, We had had this weird rash of coaches that were assistants that were interviewing for head jobs that had announced they were going back to their original team. Mike McDonald said, bleep all that. I'm going to take this head coaching money. He got announced as the next head coach, the successor of Pete Carroll, which I appreciated, Dad. You had the retirement of the 72-year-old Pete Carroll, the oldest coach in the NFL, and you replaced him with a man literally half his age in Mike McDonald, who now becomes the youngest coach in the NFL, leapfrogging over Gerard Mayo, who had held that title for a about a month now so uh dad this seems like a home run hire if you're seattle for a lot of reasons that we can talk about from the football resume standpoint from what we saw this year but i've seen a bunch of the quotes from baltimore ravens and i know you're the same way i always care a lot more when it comes to these assistant coaches about what their players say about them what are the people in that locker room and for there's patrick queen or kyle hamilton or any number of guys everyone seems to look at this and go, yeah, this is a special person in terms of what he brings to the table as a coach. There are guys that you just see and say, okay, I could see them being elevated. And, and I'll continue to say this. We have more than a few first-time head coaches. We have zero clue, zero of how they're going yep. to do. They may you know, exude that ability to say, okay, we think he could be a good coach. Not just by the way – He coaches his defense and having one of the best defenses in the NFL, but how he structures things, how the work, what the work ethic is, how, because it's going to be way more than that. And now you're not just walking into the defensive room. You're the CEO. And I always like to ask guys like this, you're now the CEO. What's the first thing you do when you're sitting in the big chair and all of a sudden questions are coming at you that you never had to answer before, never, because you were just, just a coordinator. So we don't know how anybody's going to react to it, but Man, I, I'm with you to hear how players talk about a coach when they move on. Boy, the respect Mike McDonald gets at 36 years old and what he's already accomplished. And we've seen coaches in their 30s before, but now, as you mentioned, he's the youngest. So 
So we're in the seven teams have a coach. The only team left is Washington. Mike, four of those new head coaches, defensive coaches. In an era of offense in the NFL, four are on the defensive side. And so just to to let everybody know, uh, it's Antonio Pierce, Gerard Mayo, Raheem Morris, uh, and now uh, Mike McDonald. So I, I thought that was interesting as well with one more job to go. Because it always now you look at the most important hire is going to be who they're going to get on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, we know what those defenses did in Seattle, especially when Dan Quinn was running him. By the way, a guy still without a job as well as Mike Vrabel. Yeah, um, and how they were, and can can Mike McDonald bring that part of it back to Seattle? Yeah, I, I think I, I saw people remarking the other day that. Seattle having a penchant for defensive head coaches is actually pretty endearing. And I think overall, Dad, it's nice to see the market get over that idea of, oh, well, if we hire a defensive coach, how are they possibly going to be able to account for when you lose an offensive coordinator? And we've seen the ball go through the basket, I think, enough times recently in NFL head coaches where you've said, all right, whether it's that as the background, whether you have a background like Dan Campbell where you know you were a tight ends coach and you never called plays or anything like that, we've got these guys that major in leadership. We've got these guys that can stand in front of the room of 53 plus 14 or whatever it is now and go out there and put together the right staff and lead in the right way. And especially in Seattle, if you've still got Pete in the building as sort of this bridge program and whatever advisory role he's going to be in to try and offset that, I, I I think you have to feel pretty good about this. Now, for them, you know, they'd be replacing Shane Waldron since he went over and left right. to go to the Chicago Bears, which they thought was going to happen the other day. Clint Hurt, their defensive line coach, a guy they didn't think was going to be retained now with the Philadelphia Eagles, or, or the defensive coordinator, excuse me, going to be with the Philadelphia Eagles now as their D-line coach. So he's got some decisions to make. But overall, Dad, on paper, this is everything we could have wanted. The way that he went, and especially at a place in Seattle, that when they were at their best was defined by defense. And when they lost their way was when they decided, hey, we're going to hand the keys over to Russell Wilson, do something that all of us, including myself back then, thought was the right move. Turned out not to be. I'm sure they would give anything to go back to anything resembling the Legion of Boom and what that era meant and how they were able to win. And in this day and age right now in the NFL, Dad, coming off a season where the Ravens did what they did, largely led by defense, it does seem as possible as ever to try and build a Death Star unit like that and go out and use it to dominate the league especially in that division they're going to have to play in yeah and it's all we always have to remember that side of it now so now what does baltimore do is they need to do defensive coordinator and this almost seems mike like the perfect scenario to hire from within right you have the players you had the best scoring defense you tie for i believe for the most turnovers uh as well i mean uh and you had most sacks and 60 sacks so it doesn't seem like you want to change the style, right? You bring in a yeah. D coordinator, unless that D coordinator has the same vision as Mike McDonald, things are going to change. So it almost feels like you want to just hire from within just to keep that, that machine churning on that side of the ball, which has been so successful. Yep, it'll be interesting. Some of those names, uh, Denard Wilson, I saw the report from Jordan Schultz. Looks like he's going to take the job as the Titans defensive coach. Right. But Zachary Orr, their linebackers coach, who was a player in Baltimore, his only year right. between being a player and a coach where he wasn't in Baltimore was in 21 when he was in Jacksonville. Uh, you've got Anthony Weaver, their defensive line coach, who is actually a defensive coordinator under Bill O'Brien in Houston, mm-hmm. so has some experience sitting in the chair there as well. And then their pass game coordinator, Chris Hewitt, also a name 
mentioned as a potential internal candidate. So we'll watch and see what Baltimore does in response, but a lot of change afoot for them. We talked about some of the free agents, including a guy like Justin Matabike. They're going to pop up Patrick Queen this offseason. So that unit going to be tested in terms of what they can absorb and keep moving forward with. I want to get to this, though, Dad. Another bit of coaching news that we got yesterday. Um, Jeff Halfley. Uh, and I want to bring Jesse in for this since this involves her alma mater. Yes. Jesse, big blow to the BC Eagles as Jeff Halfley decides that the pastures are in fact greener in Green Bay, taking a step back from the head coaching job to the defensive coordinator there. How are we feeling, bud? Yeah, I mean, not great. Let's be honest. All right. It's not great for the Heights. Not great. Feel Not feeling good up in Chestnut Hill, right? I mean, they went... 22 and 26 in four seasons under him. You know, they were in bowl eligibility three of those four years. So they ended 7-6 this season with that win in the Fenway Bowl over SMU, who was 22 at the time, I think, ranked number 22. So, yeah, it doesn't feel great. Um, But BC football has been absolutely mid or bad for many years. So it's also like, okay, here we go again, like the meme. (laughs) Yeah, Dad, this is a, a certainly from the Boston College side of things has to feel like a bit of Groundhog's Day in the worst ways when you thought you were full of promise, full of hope when you first got Halfley over here coming from his year at Ohio State. But a, a lot of people I saw yesterday wanted to take this and make this the sky is falling continually around college football because we've had so many changes, because we've had NIL and the portal and all these things that have made it logistically more difficult for head coaches that there would be a mass exodus like this from college coaches to the NFL if that continued. And I do feel like it's worth reminding people There's not that many jobs in the NFL, and they're pretty hard to get. Like, Jeff Halfley was a guy that was an assistant in the NFL for seven years. He had this as a part of his background. Most of the guys that we see that jump from college to the NFL are doing so because at some point in their rise, they started in the NFL, and enough people know and respect them there. So uh, while I do agree, Dad, that the quality of life you get, while quality of life and coaching aren't things that often go hand in hand, not having to recruit has always been something that's more appealing about the NFL than its college counterpart so in my mind this isn't something new that's just solely tied to nil and the portal even if it's slightly exacerbated by them so so let's separate them for a little bit even though i do think there's a little bit of a connection is college coaches going to the nfl listen i've said this all along and everybody's different you have some coaches who coach in college who don't want to coach in the nfl who just want to stay in college and coach and you have some that want to use that, that eventually want to coach at the highest level, and that's the NFL. So they're going to look for their opportunity to leave a head coaching position yep. and go and be a coordinator and try and go up the ranks there. You're right. That is nothing new, period, end of paragraph, start a new paragraph. It is more difficult to be a coach in college now. Now, yep. we're not going to sit there and feel bad for them and say, oh, poor coaches, because right. they're getting compensated very well. But – we, we, we have to say, Mike, college sports is screwed up right now. I mean, we kept wanting the players to have a say in where they go and to get some money. Now they're getting both, and they're getting it on a quick – not as much as, let's just stay in football, as NFL players. Well, in some cases they are. Of the, of the lowest-paid NFL players, there are guys in college making more than that. But they actually have more freedom. They went from nothing – to making a lot of money, to freedom every year. And that's something you don't get in the NFL. You, you don't get free agency every year. You have a contract and you work it out and you get to free agency after X amount of years. 
in college sports, it is basically every year. You can be recruited, go to a school, and then get re-recruited and go to a different school. It, it, I love it. Has it affected people watching college sports, especially football? No, I, I'll definitely stand by that. But there's no doubt, Mike, it's screwed up, and it needs some guardrails because it really is kind of out there. And while it is difficult on coaches, it's difficult all the way around just to keep your 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 head's got to constantly be on a swivel to, I got this person, but is he going to leave or is she going to leave, and then who am I going to get to replace him? It's every year. They, they have more freedom than NFL players or NBA players. They do, and it's because the NCAA was lazy and lacked foresight, yes. and now they've done this yes. to themselves. I always have a visceral reaction to guardrails because that's their word and the one they've been lobbying at Congress. But okay. the structure right. you're talking about is making it more professionalized. It's making it resemble right. the pro leagues where you've got a salary cap or you've got actual free agency. You've got contracts. They're employees. And so that's the constant battle we're fighting where you don't get one without the other in my mind. You don't get to curb what they can do freedom-wise until you're willing to admit that they're employees like the guys that are at the level above them. But the bottom line for all of this is it is a lot to manage for that person in the head chair. There is always going to be someone willing to do it for the amount of money we see given these guys to do it. That's the reality that I always want to point to. And not as many of these guys as you think are going to have the option to pull the ripcord and jump to the next level. And by the way, there's always a financial component to this. I saw in USA Today, they reported that Jeff Halfley had two years remaining on his deal worth roughly $400,000 a year. So he's probably going to get a pay bump to go be the defensive oh, yeah. coordinator and yeah. Green Bay and do markedly less work than he was for the last couple of years right. at Boston College. Now, again, that's one report could be wrong, but I'd imagine in general, the financial jump, even if he was taking a slight dive would be worth it to take all of that off your plate to go do the thing he does best. Because that was the one thing I was on yesterday in Visa when this broke. Jeff Halfley is a very good defensive coordinator. Like that yes. lone year at Ohio State. And even right. when he was at Boston College with lesser talent, chaos around the lines of scrimmage. A lot of single high stuff, very aggressive man coverage. Like he is going to make Green Bay a place that is ferocious up front with all the first round talent that we know they've got stocked in that front seven. So one of the things I was thinking about, Mike, and I'm curious what you think, I started thinking about, okay, since the NCAA has mucked this thing up, how are we going to get out of it? It is going the way of the, of the pro style. I get it. But what's going to be affected first? And I think one of the things affected first is the donors for the collectives are going to be done saying, you know what? I just gave you a million dollars for this player. This player is gone, and now you want a mil and a half to get this other player in. What, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, while I have a lot of money, I'm not going to be an ATM, you know, and just keep giving money to see it go be wasted. I, I think that's one of the first things that may happen here. Yeah, we will certainly wait and see if the rampant spending can keep up. But at the end of the day, we've got one coach in college football that decided to make his way to the NFL. Now, the third sitting head coach this offseason to leave their position for a coordinator job elsewhere as we turn the calendar to 2024. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? 
They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. So those of you who are listeners to Golik and Smetty, great podcast, my dad and Jessica Smetana from the Levitard Show, probably used to some Formula One talk over there, the Formula One minute over the Dan Levitard Show. Dad, they're going to need to bump that to two if they bring that back for this week because we woke up to an absolute bombshell bit of news in Formula One. Sources told ESPN that Lewis Hamilton is close to completing a sensational switch from Mercedes to Ferrari in 2025. Both declined to comment, but Dad, Lewis Hamilton, who is, you know, for our American audience who might not be as familiar and maybe didn't get the drive to survive craze from the pandemic, Lewis Hamilton, who is the Tom Brady of Formula One racing, who is tied for the most titles all uh, all time with Ferrari's Michael Schumacher, is one of the biggest names in the sport and is synonymous with Mercedes and now is getting ready to switch to the other side. This was something that I even I always look towards Jess and then Spencer Hall, who does a great job right. over at the Shutdown yep. Fullcast, but also with ESPN as a Formula One consultant. And I looked at both of them, and they were both stunned. So apparently this really did come out of nowhere. Well, you know, I, I and I think you used the perfect name in Tom Brady. Tom Brady for years with New England, winning all the titles there, and all of a sudden he's in a different uniform. And we become less and less shocked by that. And we, we've seen other drivers obviously move around in Formula One. But Hamilton is so associated with Mercedes. You mentioned seven-time champ, tied with Schumacher, still has the most F1 wins in history, though Max Verstappen is certainly uh, trying to change that Jesus, down the yeah. road for sure. And what he is doing, just dominating the sport right now. But I remember the start of the season, Mercedes, their cars just weren't competing at all, and they were tinkering with them all year to the point where I was even surprised, Mike, when we were just talking about this, that they ended up second in the Constructors' Cup. I, 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 did, I thought Ferrari was second, and now they were close. Second and third, I think, was a difference of three points. Red Bull is so yep. far out in front of this, and that's what everybody's trying to do is to catch Red Bull. Um, so I, I was, and remember he signed, I think last year, a two year extension. And I think it was for like 70 mil a year. The money these guys make is freakish. It's amazing. But it, it seems that second year is an option, was an option year, especially if he's going to move on to Ferrari now, but big news in, in racing world without question. I mean, you're just like you were so used to seeing Tom Brady run out in a New England Patriots uniform. Uh, and then that first time in a Tampa Bay uniform, that first time to see uh, Lewis Hamilton in that Ferrari outfit and the car is going to be like, wow, okay, this is wild. Because when you see that Mercedes car on the track, you're just going to assume one of them is Lewis Hamilton and now it won't be. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of getting used to there. He would be replacing uh, Sergio Perez uh, there and be joining Charles Leclerc on that Ferrari team. And so there'd be a lot of dominoes to fall with the other teams. You are right, though, Dad, about the money these guys make. And it's always a reminder. I remember the first time I watched a Formula One race, I realized why the money is so different. Because when you're getting ready to watch the Super Bowl coming up, 
what are we going to see for the ads, right? It's going to be Doritos. It's going to be beer brands. It's going to be insurance companies there. Over there, it's like expensive watches, designer handbags. Like all of the advertisements are all stores that I would feel uncomfortable walking around for fear of breaking something and then having to purchase it after the fact. Yeah, so true. So true. This this is wild. Just think of, you're right, mer merch alone on this of him now in Ferrari. And, and I'm, oh. again, th this... Th this is not like our area of expertise, but it's still so huge in the world of sports. And I'll be interested to continue because this just happened of the talk of this and, and where it goes and what the dominoes are. Obviously, now Mercedes has, you know, has to fill a spot as well. So we always say it's never one move. There's a domino effect to everything. But how this affects or what I should say what the reaction is going to be in the F1 world. Yeah, uh, I, this feels pretty massive, at least from the outside. It is the sport's biggest name. It, it, you know, Max Verstappen, like you said, is the driver of the moment right now who has right. far outpaced the rest of the sport in a way that's becoming sort of, I always call it the UConn women's basketball problem when people always used to wring their hands about that years ago when UConn was in such a dominant run and is it bad for the sport and blah, 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 all this stuff that was sort of coded and weird. But for Formula One, it's been a lot of the same stuff where every time you turn on a race, you expect Max to win, but Lewis Hamilton is still the name that I think for outsiders and because he's very outspoken, he's a guy that's very, you know, politically minded, is always willing to throw his name behind a cause that he believes in. He's got a little bit more of that star power that exceeds even the sport itself. So yep. going to be fascinated to watch and see if this plays out now is again, this would be Lewis Hamilton joining Ferrari in the 2025 season for Formula One. So We'll get to more of that. Maybe eventually get your part, uh, partner Smetty on here and get her reaction to all this, as I know she's super dialed in on this front. But, yep. uh, Jesse, we had a night full of NBA homecomings last night. Earlier in the night, we had Kevin Durant making his return back to the Brooklyn Nets, which he even pushed back on. He's like, they don't need to do a video for me. I wasn't there long right. enough for anything real to happen. <laughs> I didn't have a connection with those fans. Little different story for Damian Lillard going back home to Portland last night. Yeah, so he played his first game back in Portland. Like you mentioned, he got a standing ovation. It was great. Didn't get the win, so kind of spoiled his little homecoming, depending on how you look at it. But here's Lillard after the game on his return. More than anything, it was just kind of draining. You know what I mean? Just everything around it and what it was. It was um, I ain't gonna say I'm happy that it's over, but I'm just like, you know, just dealing with everything that came with it. I've been asked a million times, like, what is it like being back in Portland and how do you feel and all of this stuff. But um, I've really enjoyed being back, but just the whole spectacle of it is just, you know, just a little bit, bit draining, you know. Fair enough, fair enough, because you know these guys get asked about it a million times and then you're also kind of like, well, what's the crowd gonna do once I get out there? And I, I heard last night, it was interesting, J.J. Redick was on the call for the Brooklyn game right before this, and since that was a homecoming for Kevin Durant, him and Richard Jefferson were talking about going back to the team you spent a long time for right. after you played there. And, Dad, we see this all from the outside. I always liken it to a senior day, right? There's a little bit of emotion tied in because you've got so many memories there. You've got all this stuff there. But they also talked about the practical differences. Like, J.J. Redick said, my shooting routine pregame got all messed up because – 
everyone that you've known from all that time there is coming back out to say hi to you. All the people that worked on the support staff, the ushers in the stadium, I'm sure security people in the back annals of the stadium there that you would see on the way in. You've got so many contact points there and so many people that loved you and were a part of the journey that you're doing all of this stuff that isn't basketball in the lead up to a game where then you're trying to go out there and do the very human thing of beat your ex and show them that you're doing better without them. Yeah, it's a great point because there is that part of it kind of behind the curtain type thing. And I'm sure even finding the right, you know, road to the visitor's locker room, <laughs> something he never yeah. had to do, you know, is always in the home locker room there. Uh, but you're right. A lot of people that are going to say hi and, and he's going to say hi too. I, I agree. You're kind of thrown out of your routine. He didn't shoot well from the three point, uh, uh, you know, three point land. I think it was three of 13. But I love the ovation that he got. And I thought it interesting. He also said, I can see myself at the end of my career back in a Trailblazer oh, yeah. uniform again. So one of those where he would probably retire as a Portland Trailblazer could see that. So this was one of those because, Jesse, you're right. You never know the reception you're going to get, even though I don't think there was many people that thought this was going to be a bad uh, reception, but you do never know because remember it was like, hey, if you're going to rebuild, trade me. I don't want to do yeah. that. And they decided to rebuild, but so he still wanted out because of that. So you never know how fans are going to react, but I love the way they reacted to him. He's always loved that city. He stayed way longer than a lot of us and especially basketball analysts and experts thought he was going to stay in Portland because he wanted to win one there so badly. So uh, kudos to him and the fans for the way they treated him. And you're right about the Kevin Durant thing. You don't need – I mean, he's going back to a team where that was probably one of the biggest flops of all time, right, where they put together a superstar team and it was horrific. It absolutely imploded upon itself. So, I mean, is that really a homecoming of any kind? <laughs> Uh, probably no probably a lot more bad yeah. memories like you mentioned Dame ha yeah. accidentally walking to the home locker room and it basically being like a movie montage the other side Kevin Durant had to be looking around there and just seeing one bad like James Harden interaction after another yeah. there so uh, I'll be interested to see for Dame overall if there's any buyer's remorse on the other side of this leaving and going and trying to take this shot but going to a place where you're not the man you're in Giannis's building now and you've already had a coach fired in your limited time there in Milwaukee <laughs> The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Gojo and Golik. So yesterday on the show, we had the great Tom Havistro on the show. And at the end of our segment, he called into focus the NBA's 65-game rule regarding eligibility for awards after Joel Embiid left the Sixers game against the Warriors with an injury. So after the game, Draymond Green spoke about the rule on his podcast. Take a listen to what Tom had to say, followed by Draymond's take on that 65-game rule. They oftentimes will point to the fact that they go from maybe I have a 1% chance of having an injury to zero, and that is worth something. So Joel Embiid, if he misses a lot of time due to this injury, it'd be a real shame. And it would get me to the point where I think the national conversation would be, we need to get rid of this 65-game rule. Guys didn't face those rules before, but those same NBA, all NBA teams, those same MVP awards, lists, uh, defensive player of the year, those lists are the same. I once lost um, a Defensive Player of the Year award to Kawhi Leonard, and I think he played 51 games. In turn, um, you get Joel, who comes out there tonight, and he forces it. And Freak played with him and uh, J.K. diving for the ball, but maybe it's not as bad if the knee isn't already banged up. I don't really bang with it. And now we got one of our premier faces in this league, the MVP of our league, possibly hurt for an extended period of time. Yeah, I mean, he makes a pretty good point. Also, when we were just in the break before this senior, you mentioned that you have to play 20 minutes in those games for them to count anyway. So it's not like you can just check in and, you know, ball out for a couple of minutes and then come out. I, I think everybody understands why they made the rule. They made the rule for the fans. So, you know, because you, you hear players, you know, bring up quotes from athletes way back in the day. Why do you play all the games? Because that one game I go out there might be the first time, you know, a dad or a mom brings their kid to a game and haven't seen it before. And, you know, that whole, you know, feel good story of why you play. And we've seen players in basketball back in, back in the day playing 82 games, you know, no problem just doing it like it was the norm. And now we get load management. And I've always been one that says you do what you have to do for your team to win the goal, uh, to get to the goal of winning your championship. And if that means sitting sometimes, so be it. You know, that, that's the way it goes. So I get the rule. But, Mike, I, I didn't even – I f forgot or didn't, or didn't remember about the 20-minute rule. Like Tyrese Halliburton from the, the Pacers, he can, he can, I think, only miss three more games to be eligible – and in one of the games he's played, he only played 13 minutes, so that one doesn't count. I mean, it's yep. so are these players? And now remember a war, and I'm not going to get into the whole Halliburton extra money that he could make because man, you dive into the weeds on that. The bottom line is to make get more money off the max of his contract. Part of it is he would is making an All NBA team, which he certainly would be able to do. But he wouldn't be eligible for that if he doesn't play the 65 games at 20 minutes a game. So are players now going to play injured to get to that baseline so they will be eligible to win those awards? Not so much to say I won this award, but have something kicking in their contract that gives them a ton more money. So you wonder if this, this rule is backfiring a little bit, Mike. 
Oh, I would say it's it's already backfired. Like what you brought up there, Tom Ziller covered this in his newsletter in depth. But essentially what it boils down to is an all-NBA team for Tyrese Halliburton this year could over the life of his next five-year contract be worth about $40 million to him. Yeah. Like that's real money that this could be worth based on what already, like we yeah, we've already had discussions for years on sports talk radio about tying all NBA teams to that kind of money because right, it's right. voted on by the media because there's such yeah. a, you know, there's media members that are uncomfortable with having yes. that big of an effect on that. And now you're going to throw in a rule like this, that yes, does incentivize guys to try and come back. And at times we've seen play through injury. They otherwise wouldn't and risk that risk their team's overall success, which for Joel Embiid and the 76ers, that's their meal ticket to everything they want in the postseason. Right. That guy potentially coming back out there and put Pushing it too much too soon. So, yeah, I, I think, Dad, I don't fault the NBA for trying. Now, the one thing I'd push back on a little bit, and maybe this is just because I'm a cynic when you say it's because they did this for the fans, the NBA did this because they need better regular season TV ratings to bring to the table the next time they want to True, negotiate right. for new very expensive television rights. Like, I, I don't want to make this too altruistic on their right. behalf. They've You're got right. a goal for this too, but I, I think... It was well-intentioned. They threw a lot at it. They said, we're going to try the in-season tournament. We're going to do the 65-game rule, and we're going to see what happens. And what do we see this season? In-season tournament, overwhelming success by everyone's estimation. Mm -hmm. You had guys playing their asses off early in the regular season. You had national media talking about the NBA during football season well before we usually do in December. That worked. This does not seem to be, well, you've got some guys you can point to that have played more games than normal and say maybe that's good. Overall, I think when you look at this, the in-season tournament, yeah, keep on doing that. And then as you're looking at things that didn't work, I think you've got to go back and either seriously consider retooling this or scrapping it all together because the unintended yeah. consequences, I think, have already outweighed any of the positive that you've gotten from this. Yeah, I, I, I do think it has to be scrapped or retooled. And, and it is one of those things you try, right? We've seen this in other sports. You try yeah. something for a year and then you say, okay, let's decide if we're going to keep going with this or not. So I, I, it's not like we fault anybody for this, for the reasons, and you're right. I, I, I was probably a little all, too altruistic in thinking <laughs> it was all for the fans. You're right, it's not. I, I agree with that. But regardless, just, it's a... It, you are. It's a rule right now that does need some tweaking. What that's going to be, I don't know, but it does because it has definitely backfired on them. No doubt about it. Yeah. So, I, and I think you're, again, I'll be interested to see if overall. TV ratings for some of the primetime midweek games are up because you've had more stars playing them. Like I'm sure the NBA is painstakingly going over information to try and justify their decision on the other side because we look at, you know, a lot of the stars from this year. And the goal was to get stars to play in the big time TV games. Like, yes, seeing them in person is important too, but for the NBA to continue to justify all the money that people spend on them and their media rights, you need guys to play. And you've got Anthony Davis on pace to play in 77 games, LeBron 74, Kawhi Leonard on pace to play in 75 games, which is a revelation for him. Some of that might be luck. Some of that might be circumstance. We're going to wait and see how it all washes out in the end, but I have to imagine seeing this kind of response from players in critical spots going to make that pretty difficult to justify in the same way. So right now, quickly, you have Joel Embiid can only miss five more games or, or three more games. Tyrese Halliburton can only miss five more games. Of what he said about the rule, I think it's a stupid rule, like plenty of the guys in this league, but it's what the owners want. So as players, we got to do our job and play in playing 65 games if we're able to. Kyrie Irving is already ineligible. Other players on the brink, Jamal Murray, 
Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker, uh, Donovan Mitchell are all on the brink of being ineligible for any of these awards. So it, it's getting pretty interesting, and, and, and I'd be so it'd be so hard for me to believe that this will not be gone or tweaked somehow next year. Completely agree. So we'll watch on that. But, Dad, we mentioned LeBron James as someone on pace to play a yep. lot of games, and that's been something that LeBron's enjoyed for the last few seasons. He's now also adding another thing that he gets to enjoy upcoming this fall. And that's his partnership with DraftKings, baby. LeBron James made the announcement yesterday. Maybe this is what the time emoji was about. It was almost time to announce that LeBron James was coming on board as a DraftKings partner. He talked about wanting to make sure his football picks got seen out there. We've seen him talk about that a lot in recent years. So, LeBron, welcome to the team. We're very excited. I'm sure this means he's going to be our celebrity guest picker to get yeah. those football picks out to you every Friday. That's got to be in the fine print somewhere in the contract. LeBron, don't worry. We read it for you trust us you don't need to go looking yourself yeah it's exactly right listen he from you know akron and what he's done there me from cleveland a couple of northeast ohio guys kind of hanging out talking Boom. sports so yeah we look forward to uh to every friday him making the picks on gojo and golik i mean let's let's just talk it into existence right i mean that's what we have to do he's a monster football fan and you know, we, we, while we can talk any sport, we certainly concentrate on the football side of it. So it just seems like a match made in DraftKings heaven. Couldn't have said it better myself, Dad. So <laughs> we'll get everyone on that, continue to speak that into the universe. We've got, uh, uh, you know, listen, got the best in the business. The LeBron-Jordan debate now officially over in my mind. LeBron James <laughs> was <laughs> always my GOAT. LeBron, I've been on your side forever. I just want you to know that if you're considering other people in this conversation... <laughs> Just remember, I've been going to bat for you for like nine years now with a microphone professionally in my face. So remember who was always on your side, brother. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, next week... Live from Las Vegas. You can find us at a new time on DraftKings Network. Okay, listen up. The fellas are going to be coming at you live from Radio Row from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, the guys have some huge names lined up as guests. They're going to be taking in all the Super Bowl festivities. You can watch the best of our radio shows each day in our usual 8 to 10 a.m. time slot. And, of course, find us on YouTube, across social media, wherever you download your podcast. Gojo and Golik, live from Las Vegas, starts next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. I will not be in Las Vegas because I'm really pregnant and I'm not allowed to get on an airplane or leave the state. So I will not be part of that coverage, but I will be there in spirit. Um, fellas, let's talk about something else. The internet was popping off, okay, before the Ravens-Chiefs game when we saw Travis Kelsey tossing Justin Tucker's helmet, moving his crap off the field during warm-ups. Things were getting chippy, and we finally heard Travis Kelsey's side of the story on the New Heights pod. We do our same warm-up every single time on our side of the field. Specialists, because of like the wind factor, they get a chance to kick at both field goals. But it's always, if you're trying to go onto the other team's designated area, stay out of their way. That is the unwritten rule. You don't interfere with what they have going on. Eyes are looking left and they got a helmet down by their feet. If you're not going to pick that up, I'll happily move that for you. It's actually kind of dangerous. I get it. I mean, he was kind of winking at me, like being a dick about it, like trying 
trying to get under the skin. He knew what he was doing. I get it, but me and Pat, we just weren't in a joking mood. So, Justin, sorry if we took it to a level that you didn't think it'd get to that play, but if you're going to be a dick, I promise you, I can one-up you every time, dude. So, a little bit, you know, Travis Kelsey saying, yeah, you know, it wasn't, like, too serious, but at the same time, it was a little bit serious. So I'm not here to psychoanalyze this too much, Dad, but the little bit of extra edge to miss, to me, boils down to the fact that even though he's largely considered the best to ever do it, even though he should be a Hall of Famer for it, he's still a kicker. And the fact that this happened and came from a kicker as the source of this strife, to me, is the added bit of, oh, we're definitely not going to take this because what the hell are you going to do about it? And, and by the way, they're, they're right about the warm-ups for someone who was on the field warming up for nine years in the league. And then now calling games on Sunday night, I'm down on the field when warm-ups going on. Uh, it, nothing has really changed. What Travis said is right. You get the teams get half the field, half the side uh, to warm up, but kickers do kick on both sides so they can play the wind and all that. And, and Justin Tucker wasn't kicking yet. He was just in the beginning of a kind of stretching because there's no kicker that kicks field goals from the goal line. But that's where he was. He was like on the five-yard line, and he had his, his kicking tee and his helmet on the goal line. So if players are playing there on the opposing team, you got to move your stuff. And even Justin Tucker said he was, you know, being kind of dickish, you know, in what he was doing uh, and, you know, wink, wink to Travis. But – but Travis was right. I mean, as the kicker, you have to move your stuff. And then they'll eventually go back and kick in their certain areas. The punters will punt both ways as well. But the punters, if they're punting to the side of the other team, they'll see where the guys are, are, are working out on the field, and they'll punt the other way. So Travis is right. Kickers, while they get both sides, got to stay out of the way when you're dealing with the opponent's side of the field. Justin Tucker did not. And Patrick and Travis weren't having any of it, uh, especially when they were standing right where the helmet and the shoes are. And for anybody that wants to say, well, maybe they should move. No, they shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> they should not move. Well, the I mean, kicker should move and move his stuff. Yeah. I was going to say, that's where the kicker factor comes in. Even as respected yes. and beloved as Justin yeah. Tucker is, even as cool as I think he is, the coolest kicker yes. I've ever seen him been a part of. There was a great yep. story in Anscape the other day about the way he embraces Baltimore overall and is such a valued member of the community. All that stuff can be true, but at the end of the day, you're not one of the guys out there having to run into people for three and a half hours on that field in the same way these dudes are. And so your time and your station out there in that field not going to be valued and treated the same when it comes to the smoke. That actually made me laugh really hard because I did see a tweet that was going around um, from someone who was either pretending to be like new to football, like one of the Swifties or something, when this whole kicker thing was happening, they were like, they're like, why does the kicker wear a regular uniform? Like, people aren't supposed to touch them. They should be wearing a beautiful figure skating uniform that oh embodies <laughs> the spirit of the other team. And I was like, man, wow. what a what I, a gift. I mean, it's a great that idea. Goes on, as, as you all know, Mike, stuff that goes on in pregame where sometimes you're warming up and the other team comes running out if, if, if the team, the opposing team is doing something in that line of where they're running out, teams will run right through those players, right? Run right through oh, their yeah. drill. And then you'll start to push it in the shoving. It, it's, it's so dumb, yet 
It's something we all did, and it's something we either were the instigators of or we reacted to and had no problem squaring off with somebody in pregame. Now, nothing bad is going to happen in pregame. Nobody wants to get tossed out before the game even happens. But there is that stuff happening all the time. Hell, at Notre Dame's tunnel used to come out of the same tunnel. Yeah. They're used to be pushing and shoving all the time. Now Notre Dame makes the opposing team come out of a different tunnel now, so you just don't get into that anymore. I, but but stuff happening in pregame, you know, happens more than you would think, and it's over quicker than you well, would or think. In, or in postgame, like we had the whole Michigan State tunnel incident with Michigan and Michigan State right? last year that ended with, like, actual assault charges because you had two teams going up the same tunnel the entire time. I remember, Dad, the Chargers game you were calling against the Cowboys. I was down on the yeah. field talking to um, Mike Heastan, who is the son of uh, my former offensive line coach, Harry Heastan, and was on the Chargers staff. And we were standing there talking, and all of a sudden, something like that happened. The, t the Cowboys ran out through one of the Chargers scrums, and everyone started scrapping. And he and I were talking, and I just see out of the corner of his eye, he looks, and football law, you've got to run towards it, especially as a coach, to try and get your guys out of there. But it's just funny how normal that stuff is, like guys going yeah, out there yeah. and doing the thing where they stomp on the opposing team's logo yeah. or any of that stuff. Like the, the gamesmanship starts, especially in a game like that with Baltimore and Kansas City, where we saw they ran hot the entire time in Baltimore. They went over yes. the line. They did a bad job managing yep. their emotions, and the Chiefs were able to handle it and weaponize Baltimore's emotions against them. Like that sort of gamesmanship, you lived as a part of one of the most ferocious defenses ever in Philadelphia, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was more than a few pregame and postgame situations uh, with that team. Uh, it, and it, as I said, and, and Mike, obviously you know this, it, this happens so much, but it's usually over so quickly. There are a couple of things that I miss and that are funny to me, and they're on the, both on the college end. I, I miss the fact when teams are playing if, if now if they're uh, the home team and you're playing on grass you can do it florida state with the mascot on the horse throwing the spear into the ground or usc the trojan who was on the horse with the with the sword sticking it into the ground i i love that kind of thing right and i still think the usc mascot uh, should be put on scholarship, and it should be somebody who's roided out like crazy and just so buffed in that I uniform. I would say it should be put on steroids. Should be put on a very yeah. rigorous Hollywood-like, yes. yes. you know, uh, Rocky-like steroid program. With without a doubt, without a doubt, the things that are the funniest to me are in college when you beat a team on their home field and you run around with the flag and try and plant it in their in their logo on the fifty-yard line when it's artificial turf. And it's you. It's not going to Wasn't stick. That big, was that Baker think, Mayfield that that happened that to? Baker did that, but but Baker did it. Yes, but it's happened to others as well. You go and you stick, and you know it's not going, and then you let it go, and it just falls over. And it kind of like wah wah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the uh, that's the post game celebration version of like the Deshaun Jackson. You make an incredible play for a touchdown and then drop the ball before the goal line type deal. Like you were so close, you had it there, and then it all slipped away. So uh, cooler heads prevailed there. Uh, shout out to Pat Mahomes too, who had to deal with a day full of internet slander because a bad side profile pick showed up of oh, him yeah. and his dad bod. Um, which, you know, he's a quarterback. I don't know what you guys expect here. Not all these guys look like Brady Quinn. And that's not even well, that bad. Like, he has a little bit Will of a Levis. punch from the side. Who among it's, us? It's Will Levis now, right? He's the he's the, the poster boy for the, yeah. the built quarterbacks now. They say almost too muscular. All I got to say about Mahomes is, you know, one, as you did, one of us. One of us, right? I mean, it's a beautiful thing. 
Hey, man, listen, he is the greatest quarterback of this generation and going to push for the greatest of all time. Shout out to him for making himself slightly more approachable to the rest of us. That's very kind.